Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. I'm really excited this morning. We've been camping out in the book of Colossians throughout this summer, and uh, we're going to wrap that up today. Um, you can still read the book of Colossians after today. You're allowed to do that. Um, but this morning's teaching is actually different because we're not actually, well, I actually don't know what we're going to teach from because I'm not teaching. Uh, but we're going to practice what Colossians says this morning. Um, in Colossians 3.16, Paul writes to the church, he says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And we've already been doing some of those things this morning. And it's something that we do in our house churches. Uh, but this morning, I've asked, uh, we've asked a couple of our elders to come and teach us this morning not necessarily from the book of Colossians, but just what is the Lord laying on your heart to teach and counsel the people of Renew? Um, and so I'm going to, with that, I'm going to invite Dwayne up and just invite him to share as we practice Colossians together. Morning, everyone. Thanks, Ben. I'm <clears throat> looking forward to chatting with you here this morning. And I thought as a way of introduction, I would start off with a little uh, kid story. We have kids, so it seems appropriate. Uh, from Dr. Seuss and Oh, the Places You'll Go. Just a small excerpt in it, and it's called The Waiting Place. The Waiting Place. The Waiting Place for people just waiting waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or a phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting, waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for the wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. And I wondered this morning if you're in that space of waiting uh, between the promise and the promise fulfilled, in that space in between. Um, I found myself over the last couple years in that space uh, in a number of different areas of my life, in health issues, um, in some job things, starting a new business. I feel in this place of, of waiting. Maybe you're waiting for the kids to grow up. Maybe you're waiting for a new, new job. Maybe you're waiting to retire. Maybe you're waiting for that guy or that girl or a disease to end. I think we find ourselves many times in life waiting for God to show up in fill in the blank. 
So what have I learned in the waiting? What is God teaching us in the waiting? Um, there are two characters in the Old Testament um, that have encouraged and inspired me lately. And the first is Hezekiah. He was a king in uh, Judah. Um, it's in Hezekiah, second, Heze or second Kings, excuse me, 18, 5 through 7. Um, and there's a, this is just a short paragraph that kind of describes his life, and then it goes on to talk about a couple of stories of Hezekiah. But I wanted to read this because there's a part of it that really spoke to my heart about what do we do in the waiting periods, in the times where we're hoping for God to show up and longing for his, his promise and his presence. So here's a description of Hezekiah. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria, and he did not serve him. I love that line, he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. It's my heart that I am like that all of my days and that we are like that all of our days, that we hold fast to God and do not stop following him no matter what. And the thing about Hezekiah is that immediately following these lines, there's two stories that highlight his life. One is where the Assyrian king, a mighty king, um, basically comes and besieges his city, destroys all of more or less all of Israel, conquering it, and he's um, holed up as a bird in a cage, so, so to speak, in Jerusalem for months. And the commander of the army is saying, you know, look at all the places we've ransacked, all the places that we've destroyed and annihilated. They cried out to their gods, and their gods did nothing. And you're still crying out to your God. But Hezekiah refused to turn from God, and he continued to follow him with all of his heart, and he prays a prayer towards the end of that story. He says, God, you can hear what these commanders are saying. And he says, now, O Lord God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are Lord and God. And after months and months, God delivered them that night. Another person that I wanted to highlight, and this is someone that I really have been drawn back to time and again throughout um, my, my walk with the Lord, is the, the person of Caleb. So Joshua and Caleb from Moses' day. Um, and I want to read a passage, too, um, that really speaks to who he was. Um, and I long for us to be this kind of person as well when it comes to our faith, our commitment to Christ, our love of God, and our belief in him. So... Caleb is going to Joshua. Um, let me just backtrack a little bit. So both Joshua and Caleb were the two spies out of the 12 that had gone into the promised land to spy out the land when Moses was leading the children of Israel. They were the two that came back and said, yes, we believe that God is with us and we can conquer this land. We can take the promised land and live into the fulfillment that he has, that he has promised us, what he has told us he would do. The others said, this is, these people are strong and mighty. They're fortified cities. We can't do it. And because of that, the children of Israel walked around in the desert for another 40 years until that generation basically died off. And now Caleb and Joshua are old men. And Caleb is coming to Joshua, who is now leading Israel. And this is what he says to Joshua. 
Joshua, you know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barina, about you and me. Excuse me, let me, let me start over. <clears throat> Joshua, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since that time. He said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Then the land had rest from war. Man, I love that story. <laughs> I think that gives us a picture of what God is calling us to do, calling us to be a fortress of faith, a people who stand up and will not let go of God, no matter what. That we can live into the purposes that he has for us, the promises that he has for us. In the midst of... Um, some of my challenges with my, my health. One day at Renew here, I, I came forward and asked Cindy and, and Tim to pray for me. <clears throat> and um, it was a beautiful time of prayer. At the end, Tim was sharing with me about how, you know, we have, um, as a person, we're made up of kind of different parts. We have our, our body, our physical body. We have our mind, our emotions. Um, and one part of us, though, is like, is our will. It's this thing inside of us, this deep place that we can exert ourselves. We can be resolute. We, we can decide things will be a certain way, so to speak. And he said, sometimes I'm not feeling a certain thing. Sometimes our body feels broken down, our emotions are discouraged, but we can choose to follow God. We can exert our will. And I think there's something powerful in that. I, I'm not saying that we just kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but I think there's something powerful in saying, I will choose to follow God all the days of my life. I've set my mind to this and my heart to this, and I will not turn from it. And I pray that we will be that people, God helping us, the Spirit of God moving in us. I want to kind of turn a corner a little bit here, but I think one um, practical way we can choose to follow God 
is by um, honoring God with our thoughts. Uh, this might not sound connected, but it will in a moment. Um, Proverbs 18.21 says this, Words kill, words give life. They, either po- they are either poison or fruit. You choose. That's uh, the message translation, or maybe the NIV is one you've heard. Um, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I find for me that most of the words um, in my life are actually kind of internal in, in my head. <laughs> and I think um, I'm learning the importance of, of um, asking, is this bringing life or is this bringing death? This thought that I'm thinking about. Rick Warren has a quote that I really like, and he says simply, not everything I think is true. (laughs) And that's so true. The other day I was um, mowing our yard. We have a a walk-behind mower, and we're kind of on a hill, so I get a lot of exercise. And it was one of those days where my thoughts were kind of, you know, swirling the drain. And... um, so I'm walking up and down the hill, and I'm just getting kind of grayer and grayer as I go. And at one point, I was maybe kind of reminded of what Tim had said to me, but um, I was like, this is crazy. This isn't true. I, I need to start thinking differently. So I, here I am walking along. I have my earplugs in. The, you know, the sound of the mower is loud. And I just start, like, yelling things out, like, no, God is God. He is in control of this situation. Like, I'm not a person of fear. I'm a person of faith. God is a God of hope. I'm a person of hope. I'm a man of hope. I'm a man of joy. <laughs> I don't know if the neighbors thought I was crazy, but it helped me. It helped me. It turned, it turned my emotions. It turned my heart to the truth. I guess, I guess the final thing that I'll say as I think about us being people of faith, people that cling to Jesus, um, and that is that Jesus just wants us to come to him. I think that's the biggest thing I've taken away from the last couple years of my life, is Jesus just says, come, come to me. Matthew 18, uh, 28 through 30 says, come to me, all you who are weak and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There have been times in the last couple of years, and you may have experienced this too, where um, I kind of got to the end of my rope. There was, I can remember a situation, it was a work situation that was really challenging. And I've always kind of had this thing where I could just dig down deep enough and was able to find strength to kind of deal with it, you know? But I remember kind of driving home, and I was pulling up to the stop sign. I was just mauling all this over. And I kind of went into that place of, like, digging down deep, and there was nothing there. It was just kind of like this dark black hole. And I walked around and looked around, and there was nothing there. There was nothing left. And I think Jesus is saying, whether we get to that point or whether we're just kind of, like, frustrated with our lives or wherever we're at in that waiting between the promise and the fulfillment, Jesus is saying, come. Come to me, rest in me, lay down your burdens. My yoke is easy, my burden is light.
I really like what Doug has said. I've heard him say it a couple times now that sometimes when we go to Jesus in our mess, we, we expect judgment, but we're shocked and surprised that instead we experience kindness. We experience God's kindness. Yeah, I guess I'll leave, leave us with that thought. In the midst of our hard hardships and our struggles and our challenges, may we just be people that come. Jesus wants to do life with us every day, every step of the way. The good times, the bad times, he says, come be with me. And kind of as an aside, it's not just me and Jesus, it's, it's, it's each other as well. We're in a journey together, and I found tremendous encouragement and blessing through each other, through friendships, through the people of God working together, walking together, living life together. So may we be people of faith. May we be people like Caleb and Hezekiah who cling to God no matter what, that we set ourselves resolutely to be people of faith all the days of our lives. May we remember to control our thoughts that we have the power of life and death in our tongue, in in the thoughts, the words of our minds. And when we come to Jesus, just as we are. So I'll turn it over to you. <laughs> that was awesome. I was up here on the front row laughing and crying. Crying and laughing. I hope you heard everything he had to say because I want you to know that was a word from the Lord, because the Lord gave me the exact same words. Down to that Proverbs 18:21. So in case you weren't paying attention, you get to hear it all again. Slightly different, but I'm just so blown away. I was, I'm so undone. I was sitting up there, sitting down there, so undone, like, Lord, you just are so amazing. Everything Dwayne just said is so true. And it comes out of this beautiful space of his life that is so authentic. He's a treasure. So Ben had asked us, um, you know, to share. And and Dwayne and I talk. Um, And when when I went before the Lord um, to ask him what what I should share, um, he filled in. Um, what I'm guessing he wants us to hear, because you're going to hear it again <laughs> through this filter. Um, so, yes, rhetorical question. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have ever invested, contended in prayer, time for a season, for something you were desperate for, a healing situation, an outcome, you were desperate, and you invested your prayer because that's what we do. And then the situation, the healing didn't come, or the situation ended up exactly what you were not hoping for, and it left you confused and discouraged and bewildered. 
Um, I think that happens to us as humans. I mean, we get things happen and we're confused and discouraged and bewildered, but we are believers. We have the spirit of the living God living inside of us, and how we respond to those things should look different. So yes, last week, Tim and I were facing a situation that we had been contending and contending and contending in prayer for, and we weren't seeing the outcome. And we were standing together in our living room, and all I can say is that the Holy Spirit rose up inside of me, and and I pointed my bony little finger at him, and I said, we are not going to get discouraged. We are not going to have unbelief in our heart. We are not going there. Because there is no life there. It has nothing for us. Discouragement will never bring us back around. Unbelief will never save us. There is nothing for us there. It is off the table. It's not that they're not options. They're off the table. They're not a choice. I'm standing there pointing my, ooh, here I thought I was going to be safe. I was pointing my bony little finger at him, and he was like, and you could see this like faith arise. And it, it reminds me, when, I, when we face these disappointments and discouragements along the way, I'm reminded of Peter's words. In John chapter 6, Jesus is um, he's preaching in a synagogue. He's preaching to all these people that are following him. And he's talking about being the bread of life coming down out of heaven. And then he goes on to say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have eternal life. Now, mind you, he was saying this in the synagogue to Jewish people. And a lot of they grumbled and they left him. I mean, think about it. This was so offensive. It was offensive to their minds. It was offensive to their souls. It was offensive to their tradition, their religion. It was offensive to their entire paradigm. They were offended through and through. And they left, many left. And so he turns to his closest followers and he said, what about you? Are you going to go? Are you going to leave? And then Peter, I believe, filled with the Holy Spirit says, where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of life. Now, mind you, they weren't on this side of the cross that we're on. So I happen to personally believe that Peter and the rest of them were probably extremely confused and most likely somewhat offended still. I mean, they were Jewish people. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. That's offensive. But they knew that they knew that they knew that the world out there behind them had nothing for them, that only Jesus had the words of life, and so they followed him. They stuck with him. And those men went on to change the world, and that's why we're here today. So yeah, another thing that I think about when I'm facing discouragement and I'm contending for something is I'm reminded also of John 17. I spent a lot of time in that chapter a handful of years back. There's so much in there. I highly recommend you to read this chapter. Read. 
read the whole book of John, but chapter 17, it's the high priestly prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he uh, was betrayed and went to the cross. There's a whole lot in it. You could spend a very long time in this book, in this chapter. He's praying a lot about unity. He's praying about us being united with the Father, that the Father's love would be in us and I and them and him and me, that we would be united in, in unity. And But he's praying for us. He's praying for us. He's like, Father, I ask on their behalf, the ones whom you've given me, everything that you've given me, Lord, these men that you've given me, he's investing, he's investing in prayer in us. He says, everything that I have, you've given these to me, and everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine. Did you hear that? Everything I have is yours. And everything you have is mine. So I, I do the math. I'm like, okay, I and them, you and me, that we may be perfected in unity. He wants us to be one. He wants this beautiful, holy commit. That we are part beautiful community. I think of the prodigal son, Tim's favorite, one of his favorite stories. And I think of that older brother that was grumbling because the younger brother got the party. And he's like, I, and the brother said, son, you've been with me the whole time. Everything I have is yours. Come into the house and rejoice. Did you hear that? The father said to the son, everything I have is yours. We are children of God. We've been invited into this. We are co-heirs with Christ. I didn't make that up. That's in the scriptures. So everything that we have is his. But everything that's his is ours. And this gives me hope. This gives me hope in those moments when you get socked in the gut and something doesn't turn out the way you had hoped or you're just not seeing that healing yet. This gives me hope. Everything I have is yours, and everything that's yours is mine. This is what I cling to in those times, like the waiting that Dwayne was talking about. So back in the living room, Tim hears me in my bony little finger. We're not going back there. There's nothing for us there. That's never going to bring us life. Unbelief, not an option. Discouragement, not an option. And so he's like, you're right, you're right. And so this is how we deal with it. This is what it looks like in the cult household. So what do we do? Well, again, if you've hung around Tim for very long, you've probably heard him say, and Dwayne said it, he, Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it eat from its fruit. In James chapter 3, he talks about the tongue being a rudder. And it's this little thing steers a big ship. And so we use our rudder. And in that moment, we start to worship. And like, right, like your heart in that moment, you, you don't feel like it, but you set your will to it. And you begin to worship. If you can't think up the words, we, um, we have this beautiful technology, all these Spotify, and <laughs> just put it on. Alexa, play worship music. Right? Did you know Alexa knows scripture? She does. I said, Alexa, what does Proverbs 18.21 say? And she quotes it. Mind you, she's King James. 
<laughs> We're working on her. At prayer night. We keep prophesying to Alexa. But anyway, so we start to worship, and we get our rudders going, and we start to worship, and we start to proclaim, oh, Lord, you are so good. You are awesome. You are the one true living God. You are the sovereign king of the universe. You spoke everything into existence by the power of your word, and you hold it all together. You are the one true living God. You are the lifter of my head and the lover of my soul. We just go on and on and on, pacing the living room, just like this. And then soon enough, we start to be encouraged. And, we, and then he becomes so big, and our problem is lesser than him, so manageable for him. And then we like to take it a step further, and we prophesy just like Dwayne did when he was mowing. I am a man of faith. We, we will not go back. We will not be shaken. We will move forward. We will trust you. You are stuck with us, God. We say that to each other, Tim and I, but we're, it's the truth. And I say it to God a lot lately. You are stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. I am going to love you all the days of my life. I am not going to go in the way of unbelief. I am not going to let discouragement take me out. I told Tim, we cannot afford to be discouraged. We cannot afford to carry unbelief. There is nothing for us there. Everything we want is forward motion, and there's no place for unbelief. There is no place for discouragement. We can't make a place for it. But when we move forward in worship and in contending, that creates a space. That creates a space for faith and belief to arise. That's the space where life happens. That's the space we need to be in. That's the space we long to be in. That's the space we were created to reign in. So, obviously, this was, the, you know, the Lord was, this is, we, mu we must really be needing to hear this. I needed to hear this. I'm hoping that this is meeting places in your soul that needed to hear this. Because I really feel that this is what the Lord is saying to us. So I bless you, Renew, to be people of faith and belief. It's not that hard things don't happen. It's not that they don't happen. It's how we do with them. I love something I've heard Bill Johnson say. It's faith isn't believing that bad things don't happen. It's just not giving them that place of prominence. We're, gonna we're not going to react to the things that happen. We're going to respond to what God's doing. You know? It's, it's important. This is what we're created for. So... We love you. I love you. We are in this together, like Dwayne said. We need each other for this. So bless you, Renew. I bless you, Renew. I bless you, Renew, in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, uh, welcome to our elder meetings. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I'm going to have Ben come up too. I, I, I think if, if we could give you all a gift or an affirmation 
and this is something that we've been chatting with in my, in my house and just in different ways, but that God is good, that God is for us. And then the third thing is that life is difficult, but what I appreciate is we don't start there. The Bible doesn't start Genesis chapter three when all hell breaks loose and everything bad happens. It starts in the formation of the beautiful things that we see. It starts in his goodness, his glory, his ama- the amazing person of who he is. So God is good. God is for us. But to remind those things, I know for, for, for me, Mary and I have been, we've had probably two of the most discouraging things happen like back to back. And this is the first time in our marriage where I can say the discouragement has not won. And we've watched God show up and said, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how this is going to play out, but you know what, dang it, God, like you are good. You're for us. And we're just going to keep worshiping and trusting that you're up to something good, even in the midst of discouragement. And friends, my house is different. I don't know what else to tell you. My house is just different. You walk in, Jesus is present. He likes, you know, sitting in one of the chairs as I'm hanging out there. But it's just been amazing to watch. But yeah, I'm just grateful for the wisdom that both of our elders shared today. I don't know, Ben, what do you got? <laughs> Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.